Hey, what's going on about last night, listeners? Adam Ray here. Quick question for you. You guys like making great money, right? Yeah, of course you do. It'd be weird if you were like, no, man, I hate making great money. I like being poor and eating macaroni and cheese off of the ground. Well, here's a really cool opportunity I just had to share with you. Driving with Uber. Uber, that's right. You ever heard of it? That popular smartphone app that connects riders with drivers? Of course you've heard of it. Everybody fucking uses it. I take Uber all the time when I'm trying to not drink and drive, when I'm trying to get to my shows uh, quickly uh, without waiting for uh, people to move their cars in the packed comedy club parking lots. Uh, Also, when you take Uber and you get to chat with different drivers from all over the world, some of the most interesting stories and conversations I've ever had have been with people who drive with Uber. I met a guy a few weeks ago who used to book colleges, book colleges around the country, and I've now gotten gigs out of it because this dude and I just hit it off about music, comedy. That's why dudes are great. Takes very little information for us to bond. We're like, what's up, man? You like food? Oh, dude, great. You like sports? Dude, dude, what is happening here? We are really we are really developing some camaraderie. People who drive with Uber love it. You know why? Because they love being their own boss. They love making great money, and they love how it's so easy to start. All you need is a car and a license. Driving with Uber is great for anyone who needs flexibility. Parents, if you're trying to drive with Uber, guess what? It's super easy to work around your family schedule. Students, if you want to drive with Uber, you can do it because you can make great money in between your classes. Now is the prime time to cash in driving with Uber. You'll thank me. I'm telling you, you'll thank me for telling you how to get paid every week, man. I I could be getting into your car when you drive with Uber right now and giving you cash. So get on it, get to it, and start making some dope money by driving with Uber. If you've got a car and you've got a license, put them both to work today and start earning serious life-changing money. All you got to do to sign up is visit drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. Drivewithuber.com. Don't be a goober. Drive with Uber. Drive with Uber. And now enjoy a very special brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Hey everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the show on iTunes. Uh, Continue to give us those five-star ratings. Comment on the iTunes page helps us climb the charts and uh, continue to do what we love and uh, and bringing you great guests like today's show. Our guest is the one and only Ruben Paul. That's right, baby. Ruben Paul. If you don't know this guy, uh, well, you need to get out to the comedy clubs and see him. He tours all over the country. Um, This episode... Some of the craziest stories, Ruben's been in the game 20 plus years, uh, has written for Cedric the Entertainer, Kevin Hart, Chris Rock, uh, uh, countless uh, big name comics, um, and his act is... uh is unlike anybody you've uh, you've probably ever seen. He he his, his, pa- his parents are Haitian. Uh, he grew up in Carson, just outside of Compton, California. And hearing about that upbringing, it was really eye opening and um, and incredible because it's uh, it contributed to the the voice he has now on stage. Um, the past couple years. You'll hear Ruben talk about his act the last 18 years and how it's really transitioned the last couple uh, into really becoming who he is and talking about uh, the details of his life on stage and and how that's really taken his career up a notch. Uh, Ruben is one of the best comics in the game. He's a great dude. His stories from growing up into the the straight out of Compton era, which we get into obviously because the movie just came out. Uh, His worst ever performing story in South Africa. Um, and uh, and growing up with Haitian parents, it's it's a, it's a pretty great episode. His stories are unmatched by uh, by anyone we've had on the show. 
And uh, we were pumped to have him on. I've known Ruben for a while, and uh, you know, we were always on shows at the Laugh Factory together. So I was pumped we could finally get him to sit down and be on the show. He's got great stories. He's a hilarious guy. Quick wit. Uh, always appreciate that when people bring the uh, the quickness on the podcast. And Ruben brought it today. So follow him on Twitter at I am Ruben Paul. That's at I A M R U B E N P A U L. Follow Brad on Twitter at Funny Brad. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. This weekend, Brad Williams will be in Corpus Christi, Texas at Chuckles Comedy Club. Uh, go see Brad, Corpus Christi, Texas, Chuckles Comedy Club, August 20th through the 22nd, and then August 27th through the 30th, Virginia Beach. Brad Williams will be back in Virginia at the Funny Bone in Virginia Beach. Go see Brad August 28th through the 30th there. I will be in Las Vegas, baby, coming back to the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana, August 31st through September 6th. Two shows a night, 8.30 and 10.30. Uh, it's Vegas, baby. It's Labor Day. It's me. It's Brett Riley, Mark Saratella, both former ALN podcast guests. Uh, we're going to bring it hard. We're going to bring the heat. Come be a part of it. Labor Day, Las Vegas Laugh Factory, August 31st through September 6th. Get your tickets at LaughFactory.com. And, of course, while you're on the Internet, go to AstoyMerchandise.com and get all your ALN merch. Uh, Roni and the Quave shirts, the Titanic shirts, the uh, straight-up ALN pod shirts, mugs. Uh, got some stickers and hats coming soon. But get those get those hats and mugs uh, and uh, and bring them to shows, and we'll sign them for you. Um, bring them bring them to the, all the shows that Brad and I are doing on the road, like the combo show that we're both doing in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, August, uh, I'm sorry, October 28th through November 1st. We're doing a, a live podcast on that Wednesday. Bring all your merch to Tempe on October 28th. We'll sign it for you. We'll talk podcast. You can pick Brad up. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that. You know what'll happen. Um, and of course, uh, go to aboutlastnightpodcast.com to get all past episodes. We've got some amazing shows coming up. Um, really just can't believe some of the guests that we're, we're getting uh, to come on this show and come to the apartment and, and, and talk with us. Um, so subscribe on iTunes. Spread the link to your friends. Uh, keep tweeting at us. Keep emailing us. We're going to do something new um, starting this episode as well. Brad and I want to figure out a way to, to uh, give some stuff away to you guys, some signed merch, some free stuff. We want to make it fun, though. So every week we're going to have a giveaway where we're going to give um, – some free merch, from some free signed merch, uh, whether it's shirts or CDs to you guys. Uh, and basically, uh, email um, me at sugar at gmail.com. That's sugar at gmail.com. And this week's uh, giveaway contest, we want to hear your best Clooney boop. All right? Clooney boops, obviously, were originated um, with five-time... Uh, record holder guest Brent Morin, uh, who will be returning very shortly, by the way. Him and I were just in New York for his hour Netflix special, and we'll be recapping that along with uh, with other goodies, because Brent's just always the best. Uh, but Clooney boops were originated on uh, on his episode, and uh, we want to hear your best Clooney boop, man. We've seen hashtag Clooney boops so much uh, over the uh, the last several episodes, and uh, what was your Clooney boop? You know, and you know what a Clooney boop is? It was uh, a slip up, all right, a mishap. Something that was embarrassing, something that was crazy, something that was out of the ordinary. Uh, that's what a Clooney boop is, okay? So email me your best Clooney boop story, and not only will you win free ALN merch, you will have your Clooney boop read live on the About Last Night podcast. So send your Clooney boops, uh, please, this week to be read on next week's episode. Send them to arraysugar at gmail.com uh, and put title ALN Clooney boop. 
story uh, in the heading, and uh, and maybe you can win some ALN merch, all right? Now that we got all the new contest details out of the way, those are the Twitter handles, that's the merch info, those are the tour dates. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a very special brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the very funny Reuben Paul. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. How terrified are you? <laughs> very, I'm very terrified. Are, is Brad terrified? Are you scared of dogs? Well, no, I'm not. I'm not terrified of. I, I, I'm. I'm. I'm terrified of. Uh, of uh, large dogs. <laughs> okay, this definitely doesn't fit into the. Yeah, category. yeah, yeah. Pugs. I mean, although I, I was with Adam one time, and we were, and we were, wa- and we were walking down Laurel. And uh, Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. I don't know, Laurel. I don't know. Say it sounds. Right. It sounds like a French girl. That's like rodeo and rodeo. <laughs> yeah, like rodeo in Beverly Hills, then rodeo yeah. in the hood. Listen, my listen. My mom's from Georgia. My dad's from Texas. We okay. go. We, we 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 go very little. Laurel. Laurel sounds like a friend of hers yeah, from Georgia. Like, oh, uh, have, uh, did it, I, I'm going out to play bridge with Laurel. And she and, and she's gonna be good. Oh, she's so good. She, she always so brings good. the best eggnog and lemonade. Is that what you think that we drink? drink, drink who, drinks, who drinks eggnog? <laughs> eggnog if and it's not on the <laughs> during the holidays. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> you want some eggnog on May first? <laughs> what? You know what is though? It, isn't it a holiday yes beverage? Would, yes would always be my answer to that question. Or do you well, like eggnog? I guess I only like it during the holidays, and I like it with booze. Really? If you ha- if you'd walked in with a jug of eggnog, can I make a confession right now? Yeah, fire away. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happened? I guess you're scared of pups. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I was attacked by a dog uh, six months ago, and it definitely has created a new a new amount of fear that um, I didn't have before. I've never had eggnog before. What? What? In my whole entire existence. You own two pugs, but you've never had eggnog? I don't know why those we, things are related, but I'm I sure. Know. Well, you know my opening line is I always say, I have two pugs, but I'm not gay. So, yeah. <laughs> but if you guys can see me right now, I look full on. I mean, you look like a great owner. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, my friends call me and my dogs gay all the time. Let, let, let us set the scene for, for our <laughs> listeners right now. Uh, Ruben, R- Ruben Paul call, calls us. And just says, "Hey guys, do you mind, do you mind if I have my pug with me?" <laughs> and at first, Adam and I looked at each other like, "Wait, is pug like a new black code word for girlfriend that we don't nice. know about? Like, is it boo and now it's or pug?" It's, or or it's I, just, know. I just say, "My bitch." Or is or is or is pug? <laughs> she is a female too. I should have just said, "I got my bitch with me and brought her." You guys would be like, "Oh shit, oh shit, we really got did a bring bitch. Yeah, bring bring all your bitches." When why did that uh, term get? Uh, Slapped on female dogs. Well, I don't know. It's just. What, um, and when did it become like a term to use for crazy I think, ex-girlfriends? I think "bitch" has been around. I'm about. Know. You know what? I was about to bullshit you and make up some story. <laughs> I was gonna say. I, I think I it's. It. I was gonna. I, I literally I was gonna go. I think it started like somewhere around 1840 and 1901. <laughs> I think uh, it was during uh, by one two of, black guys who also hated eggnog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one of that king's wives. The divorced, beheaded, died. Divorced, beheaded, survived. Oh, was that uh, King Henry or George or one yeah, of them? Yeah, yeah, one of those. Oh, yeah. for real? 
I don't know. Oh. No. I, I, see, see, <laughs> but all you got to do is throw some king and that's some That's all you got to do is be like, yeah, because then the one wife knows. wouldn't give him a son. And he's like, that bitch is crazy. Yeah, unless you were a history major, you know nothing about kings. <laughs> you know, no, but, but I know that's the uh, medical term right. yeah. for female yeah. dog is bitch. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's strange. I, I went with my wait, buddy Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. What's up? Then why are you attributing black men as being... The originators for calling women bitches. Why? Well, why did? Like, why do we get that invention? What, wow. what the fuck just just yeah. happened? I guess I didn't think through did. my, uh, my my quick joke that I thought would just, just get us from just, point A to point B. I'm usually the racist one. Head. This is new for me. Now 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 I, now I can look at Adam finally. Go shame on you, Adam. What if Ray? I did? The, yeah, yeah of course, Adam. Yeah. I look at you totally Black. different now, man. Shit. Yeah, man. they were the first ones. Man, used to be, man, yeah. used to be my nigga. Man. Now I can't even trust you. Oh God. No, I'm fuck with you go ahead and, and, and so you bring your dog in and and now your 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 pug is uh running around and you have a pug and you're wearing a shirt with a pug on it all right which you you look like the crazy cat lady i do right look now. like the fuck but here's <laughs> i shot a sketch everybody okay with my pug in awesome. the sketch awesome and i had the pug shirt on yeah because this is something normally you wouldn't see a black man doing is walking around with the pug and having a pug shirt on. Well, but so that there ensues the well, not, yeah, not true because back in the day, the two black dudes <laughs> who first drank eggnog and called women bitches wore pug shirts. So see, and, and also you say that, but I, I feel like if I saw a black dude wearing a pug shirt walking up pug, I'd be like, oh, so we're supposed to do that now? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if you could totally see it, but. I, on the pug shirt, yeah. the pug has a gold tooth, which nice. is racist in itself. Why does the pug well, have to have a gold tooth? I mean, and it says, um, no. nothing but a pug thing. <laughs> I mean, I oh love that. Oh my God. I, I, I feel like you're going to bust out your phone and be like, and this is me and my pugs on vacation. You know what? It's, it's timely, though, because, you know, the same way, straight out of Compton, they can make an all dog version like Homeward Bound. <laughs> Meet straight out of Compton Dude. with dogs as the rappers. I I I and just dub like over the voices. Shit, the way they did Homeward Bound. Yeah. How brilliantly funny would yeah. that fucking be? I mean, I said it in jest, but now I'm a thousand percent wanting to. I'm, fun I'm this. on board, dude. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, and I'm looking at your pug's face right now. That pug is a young cube. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, pug. Yeah, pug. Yeah, 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 pug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm in here. There, there, there we be is. pugging <laughs> till the day uh, we die. Son. You grew up in Carson. Yes, that's where I'm from. Born and raised. Yeah, um, I grew up on 190th and Wilmington, which is on the border of Carson and Compton. And ironically enough, during all that straight out of Compton stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. Carson, who had rappers like uh, Rask. I mean, Carson is. Pr- I mean, was DOC from Carson? Or, uh, I or? think he lived in Carson for a okay. minute. But Raz Castle's from Carson. So Carson and Compton. People don't realize this. Carson used to be Compton at one point. Yeah, like in the '60s or some shit like that. Before I was born. Right. Well, because now you guys got the Home Depot Center. It's like, oh, Carson's lovely. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> well, they uh, built the college, yeah. and then that came. Yeah. Then Carson took on a different right meaning. But yeah. Some people know Carson as hell, but Carson is never really considered like. The hood, yeah, hood. it doesn't have right. that same reputation. But, exactly, but as but some, you will, someone who grew up there, was it that kind of thing? Was well, it put it this way: area? people are always shocked. When I was, I guess, eleven years old, mm-hmm. I saw a white girl get shot in her stomach outside my window. Oh what? shit! But here's the thing: 
first of all, she was like the only white person I had ever seen in my neighborhood ever. So she deserved it is what you're trying to I say. I don't know, but just <laughs> is this so is this so ironic that that one time she got shot. She got shot in the stomach. And I don't yeah. know, maybe she was trying to get drugs or, or some shit. Who knows? And I just remember looking at it being a kid and then my sister was like, "Get your ass out the window." And you know. How many people would, uh, lived in your home growing up? Um, just me, my mom, dad, brother, and sister. Yeah. And there then we would always have like immigrants or different people staying at our house. No shit? Yeah, because my parents are missionaries. So they used to oh. always bring in people. Like one of the funniest things, I remember uh, my, um, my dad brought home this Mexican family. Mm-hmm. So I come home from school and my friend's like, yo, what are all them Mexicans doing in your house? And I was like, what are you talking about? So I go in and I just like kid is in my room sleeping in my bed like what they the totally fuck? like were just taking over just took over and i go to my mom and go mom who <laughs> who's that in my bed and she goes oh that's your brother i'm like my, my brother wait what she's like yeah they're all your brothers the, everybody who we bring in here is your brothers and your sister now that was oh, just their geez. mentality but, yeah. but in my mind i was like damn is my mama oh well, yeah she, she have a secret family exactly yeah. no but that's just how they were they would always like and would you just immediately adapt and go okay cool i don't know his favorite color or favorite sexual position but yeah. I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I'm on a board but that's what they did and then after a while it got to be so much where, you know, when you give out free stuff, people take advantage of it. Yeah. So people start stealing and oh. doing all kind of things. So my mom, ironically, or not ironically, I guess she had to for her kids. Mm-hmm. She would, anything that didn't have to be refrigerated, she would keep it in a closet and she had the only key. Huh. Wow. Yeah, for a while because you'd come home and then everything would be eaten and gone. She was like me when I was in my fraternity. I was the kitchen steward and all the potheads would, would smoke me out so they could get into the kitchen. But I was like, no, no, I have the key. You can't get in unless I get down there. But they would steal oh, it wow. from me. Really? Anyway, that was a long stretch, but it felt like we were living in the same world. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, okay, so <laughs> how I'm many... Carson, go ahead. Yeah. So, so uh, how... Uh, I mean, so you grew up to kind of, um, you were... How old when all the Straight Outta Compton stuff was going um, on? I was in junior high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Junior high and high school, and I used to I used to rap because hip hop. When that hip whole hip hop really took off on the West Coast, you had a lot of rappers and a lot of anybody who wanted to be involved in the hip hop culture. We were mimicking the East Coast because yeah. that's where it right. started. Yep. Yeah. So, like for me, LL Cool J used to have a, his first song that a lot of people don't know used to be a song called "I Need a Beat," mm-hmm. and he used all these big fucking words. And I was always into like you know vocabulary and different yeah. stuff and i remember buying a thesaurus because i wanted to sound like ll so i used to rap and everybody else was doing like a hip hop a hibbit and i was fucking <laughs> yeah. coming with all these big ass words and shit because i'd heard ll it's so like, what, yo like, ruben paul straight rhymed the word defenestrate but, but, <laughs> i got a conundrum <laughs> no, i'm not bullshitting you wow. like ll well one of the lines of ll was like i need to beat yeah i made it don't look astonished i had to remind you of what i accomplished my scenario for your stereo up king d zero is the ratio so you're yeah, in junior right. high school. You're like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. You rewinding that <laughs> yeah. shit? Like, where's what? the hip and the hops? Exactly. Yeah. Like, where's uh, have you ever went over a friend's <laughs> Like, where's that shit? Where's the, the Dr. Seuss type? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then so I started doing that, and I'm not ashamed to say it because I've been outed already. I used to go by the name of MC Bandit. 
So, yeah. Wow. I was wondering I, I where we were going to get to meet him. Yeah. I, I said that publicly. Hey, you know what? Uh, when, when, I, when I would DJ uh, ju- uh, junior high dances, that's how I made my money in high school. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, my name was DJ Fourfoot. So <laughs> don't even fret, man. Don't even trip. I got love for Brad now. You yeah. said you used to DJ. Well, I mean, okay. When I say DJ, I okay. don't mean on the ones and the twos. <laughs> okay. And I mean like like that. None of that was happening. I mean, I I put the Fifty Cent into club single on on, on the CD track, <laughs> hit close, and then and hit put, play. Like, oh, okay. And there was two CD tracks. Well, so. how did you get chosen to do that? You're like, I had all the music. Like you had all the. Music I had a ton of music, and I was always the outspoken like guy in when i when i went to that junior high uh-huh. so they they just wanted rather than hire a professional dj for every dance they wanted to get an old kid that that would do it for nothing so they bought all the equipment uh. and then i just came in, came came in with the cds and tried to make sure that the junior high kids didn't grind on each other too much <laughs> yeah well there's no stopping that no. there, there, yeah. there, there was no stopping yeah that. don't try to stop any no. junior high kid Holy from dry shit. humping no yeah so 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 don't don't worry about your uh, DJ Fourfoot. Yeah, DJ Fourfoot in in the Heezy for Sheezy. <laughs> oh my God! Holy! Remember shit. when that was like actually a cool thing to say? Oh yeah, <laughs> ne- but, never for white people. But yes. Wait, but here's the thing. <laughs> you know, in the black community, I'm gonna let you guys in on the secret. Please. All right. Uh, once you guys tell us about the secrets of the. Blacks. I will tell you the secrets of the black. By the way, those headphones. You uh, I think you can swap. Can you hear okay? Yeah. I think. All right, I think this is supposed to be the other side around. Yeah. Oh. If you want to flip it, you might get better. Let me know. Is that? Yeah, uh, it was the exact same. Thing. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking headphones. I, don't, I mean, there's, a, there's not one that only we've had issues sometimes with yeah. your right ear. If, if the R has to be on the right ear and the L has you're to right, be on the left, don't interrupt ear. him when he's giving us the secrets of the blacks. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> See, I said the black. <laughs> wow. 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 I'm, I'm from Georgia. Dad okay. from Texas. <laughs> Gonna just reiterate yeah. that one All more right. time. Um, All right, tell us a secret and. Once you guys catch on to a slang word, mm-hmm. we bury it. We we stop using it immediately. I get that. So as soon as you guys that makes say total sense. off the sheezy for he for yeah. sheezy, Done. a mass email goes out <laughs> and goes, "This word. If you have melanin in your skin, you must stop using wow. this word how immediately." M- how many of those were uh, used and then not oh. used in the nineties? Uh, shizzle, skeet, skeet. Uh, <laughs> I'm just oh, skeet, skeet, skeet. yeah 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 one yeah once a once a white guy named Trent starts saying skeet skeet all the black guys are like yo it's gone hear ye hear ye <laughs> skeet will no longer be used in the black oh. community when when you have commentators on Fox News going yo George Bush said it for real all the black guys are like okay, okay no no more for reals Wait, it's you- done. And you, you, you know what's interesting is uh, we're, I know we're jumping all over the place. You take somebody we do it. like uh, Stuart Scott, rest, yeah. rest in peace. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. You know, to get so popular by just using language that mm-hmm. we use in our community and it right. kind of took off and kind of became his thing. But now when you listen to ESPN, I mean, some of these announcers are dope. Like they'll quote lyrics to a song yeah, that only right. real hip hop heads would know the yeah. lyrics. Yeah. And they do it in a way where... Maybe if you didn't know the lyrics, you just go, "Oh, that was that was kind of clever." Yeah, that was a clever thing that he yeah. said. But you know, it's it's interesting how hip hop, the culture, 
has gone mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, because when Stuart Scott said booyah, yeah. every, 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 everyone was like looking around like, wait, 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 what is this? What is this booyah that he's talking about? Yeah. What, 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 like, and now it's just, it just seems like commonplace. Yeah. Listen to how we can tie this together. This is going to be great. Okay. There was a Samoan group called the Booyah Tribe. Okay. You guys, ever, you guys never heard of the Booyah Tribe? No. Google uh, that shit. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Um, Carson is so big. Like Carson was broke. Is very segregated. Like literally, there's the black part of Carson. There's a Mexican part of Carson. Really? And there's a Filipino Samoan part of Carson. And Carson's not even that big of a city. So the fact that yeah, it's, those areas it's just, exist. It's interesting how it's it's segregated like that. Yeah. So when a lot of people find out I'm from Carson, go, oh, did you grow up around a lot of Filipinos? Go. Yeah and no. They were in the city, but most of the black people live in like Delamo. Mm-hmm. And then there's like Centerview and then there's like what we call the patch and there's yeah. different areas. But um the Filipinos and Samoans live by Carson High School and there was a popular rap group during the straight out of Compton uh time yeah. called the Booyah Tribe. And there were these big ass gangster Samoans that you did not Want to fuck with? That, if you Google it, yeah, you'll, that, you'll 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 bu- like they were huge. That scares me. That like Samoan gangsters because Samoans <laughs> are just you don't even know they're, they're, they're massive. Yeah, I mean I've I've a <laughs> I've a cheesy joke in my act sometimes that I rarely use, but I, I say oh I I once went on a blind date with a Samoan midget. She was five foot eight. <laughs> and, and that's just kind of yeah. 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 Holy and, shit, these guys are huge. Well, yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, they huge. Were, they were oh, popular. Yeah. Like they released, they released like you know, hood covered singles. in tats. Yeah, long hair. Yeah, they were and cool dudes. I remember. Did they do a haka? Because that would have been terrifying. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I just remember them like growing up, like the Booyah tribe, and they were like the only ones that would come to where to all like the black hip hop functions. Like, oh shit, the Booyah tribe is here. Well, sure, because who's gonna tell them exactly. get out? Exactly. Now, when you say, when you say the the white girl got shot there, was it that? Uh, it was a drug deal. It was just some random. But, but was thing. it that uh, dangerous for white people to even be? No, there? no, no. That's all. Like I always say this. Like people always have this. Like white people go, oh, I have a friend that lives over. Is it safe for me to go there? And I, <laughs> and most black people would tell you this if they're being a. I think white people are safer in the hood than black people. Why? Because you'd be so out of place right. that people would think you're either a cop or <laughs> they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you just because right. it might bring down so much heat. Right. Yeah, they, okay. they, they know that if uh, a, goes a white down. guy gets shot in the hood, now everyone's now all, all the news is like, now, well, now, now the cops exactly. are going to come in. Now the newscopters are going to come. It's in. like that bit Chappelle used to have too, where he goes, "When you see one white guy hanging out with a group of black dudes, what do you say?" He was like, uh, "He's like, what did that white guy do to get the respect <laughs> of all those black guys? Like, you fear that guy the most." Well, yeah, yeah. and and you know what's interesting is um, you're talking about shutting down a whole neighborhood. I never yeah. thought it could happen, but um, one of one of my close friends used to live off of Fifty Third in Hoover. Now that's like yeah. Hoover Crips, Rolling Sixties, that whole Fuck. area, mm-hmm. and I guess uh, not. I guess the police were going down the street, and some kid ran out into the middle of the street with an AK and fucking shot up, what? shot at the police car. So it's like some Grand Theft Auto dude, stuff. What I'm about to tell you is the craziest shit in the world. Within 15 minutes, yeah, that whole area was locked the fuck down. Yeah. Like no one could come in, no one can go out, and the cops went door to door until they caught the dude, and they caught the dude underneath the steps of 
underneath the steps of a of a house. Yeah. Like, you know, the front porch. Yep. He was under the porch. They sent in a police dog to get this guy. Mm-hmm. He killed the police dog. What? <laughs> so ended up getting charged for murder for the police dog. Yeah, because yeah, that's, that's yeah. killing a cop. Exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah. Crazy, one of the craziest stories I'd ever heard. Because I remember calling him. I was like, yo, I tried to come there. He's like, dude, we wasn't going anywhere for hours. They shut the whole neighborhood down. Wow. Now, and, does that make you, I, I mean, how old are you at this point? 40, uh, oh, now, at that point? Yeah. Probably 20. Four. Okay. Okay. And you yeah. still so you're st- and you're still living there. No, no, no. no. I was oh, living, my boy was living okay, there. Cool. I, I was mm-hmm. going to pick him up, and I was went over there. Everything was shut down. I'm like, dude, helicopters everywhere. I'm like, dude, I can't even get close. And then he told me, he's like, yo, man, such and such, somebody shot at a police, and they shut the whole area so, down. So, so now, when you hear stories like that, uh, you're are you just like, man, thank God I don't live there anymore, or? Well, I never lived there, but even in Carson, I, you know, here's the thing. There's great people that live in these neighborhoods. Sure. And I think the stigma is when, when people bring up the hood that it's like, and I, when I started talking about this in my stamp, they, it's like they think it's blocks and blocks of all people wearing red and blue. Right. Like literally it's probably a hundred guys that give the whole entire right. yeah neighborhood that reputation people just need to generalize that's they generalize how, that's how they feel exactly. like they're safe because they feel that gives them some sort of knowledge of like i know what to expect yeah. and what to fear and look out for and by on any level i'm not trying to compare carson to a lot of the violence that happens in more violent areas like yeah. some parts of south central and watts and different places like that but we had unnecessary violence in our neighborhood which is even worse like there's nothing worse than a gangbanger with a swimming pool in his backyard. What? Why is that? Is this some like why? Like the neighbor? Is this a riddle? No, <laughs> this is absolutely real? real life. Why is it? If you if you can if I took you to Delamo <clears throat> where I lived, like you'd you'd go, no way you guys had gangbangers because it's two story houses. You know, oh, it's like a, it looks like a nice suburb. affluent area. Yeah, yeah, swimming pools. You know, I had yeah. three swimming pools on my block. You know, friends who had swimming pools, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know. All black neighborhood looked really nice, but when that sun goes down, and I don't know, it's because we got a lot of flack. Like if some people go, "Where are you from?" From Car- oh, he from Carson. He ain't from the hood. And I think that mentality somehow got into the minds of some of these people, so they felt like we have to be extra violent to show we're not punks over here. So wow, you just have shit. unnecessary murders. That's yeah, and in, that's in the, a neighborhood and, and, that shouldn't have it. Sure, and that's the mo- and that's probably the most frightening thing because yes, because if if it's like gang on gang, you just go okay, don't hang out with the gangs, don't go where they are when you see them. Like, yeah, but if it's just random acts, it's like how do how do we know what to avoid? How yeah. do we know what to be around? And just to describe to you what what kind of um, neighborhood Carson is, Carson is would be. Like if your parents in the in the 60s, if your parents had a good job and mm-hmm. they wanted to get out the hood, mm-hmm. they would move to Carson. Okay, so it's like the next step. It's the it was the next step right, right okay. above like, Compton yeah. or South Central and all that. So right. you but a lot th- of them. And then in three years we'll be in Long Beach. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. And then Long Beach got up. wild. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But it was that. It was that. He like kind of knelt. Like that was it. It was like the step up. Gotcha. But again, but you didn't leave that mentality back there. So mm-hmm. now, if you're talking to your old friends or different people, like, oh, you live in Carson. Like you soft. So that's why people in my neighborhood had to act extra hard and right. do extra vicious things. Like, dude, you have a swimming pool. Yeah, life like, is good. Life is good. <laughs> You're all right. But you have both your parents. <laughs> like, that's good. Fuck. Yeah, it was yeah. like, it's cr- uh, Tony Rock, shout out to Tony. Mm-hmm. Tony was the first, uh, when I brought him to my neighborhood, he was like, yo, this is the hood. <laughs> so when I talk about it on my stage, that's what, you know, yeah. it all comes from this conversation. Then he told me, he's like, you know what? This neighborhood reminds me of Queens mm-hmm. in New York. Where he grew up, right? Yeah, No, he grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. But the Brooklyn people always felt like when you went to Queens, Queens was kind of nice. Like they had lawns and different things. Yeah, right. But it was still a lot of murders and still a lot of crazy things going on in some parts of Queens. Mm-hmm. So it's just a mentality, a sick mentality that's passed down from just not really, um, but caring about the wrong things. Right? Yeah. right, right, right. You know, wanting to be tough, wanting to be hard yeah, for exactly. no reason. Exactly. Instead of instead of having an emphasis of just like getting a job and providing for family exactly that kind of thing oh now all of a sudden you white you're trying to be white or you soft or this that in your heart and it's like i mean some of the stuff that i went through and saw as a kid i shouldn't have well yeah you saw you saw a girl girl (laughs) girl get shot then i went to banning high school in wilmington which is like in the middle of you know the mexican gang territory uh Mm -hmm. wimas you know um, and then we were bust in, so you got blacks being bust into an all Mexican school. Holy so that shit. was a whole nother set of issues. Yeah, like dude, my life is like now. Does that crazy on so many levels? Now does that give? Does that sort of prepare you for stand up? In that you kind of like would you use humor to? get along with the kids that were like hey, or, or just to, to deal with all or, this shit like you just said yeah. like your life is crazy in so many ways so I, and you know I want to touch on this as much as we okay. can but like how much of all that creates the um, I mean the comedy like do you, do you start you know using that as a way to deal with the craziness or is it yeah I think you know there's there's only two ways to deal with things how I grew up is either violence or humor mm-hmm. you know and then when you when you when you're thrusted into an environment, I know it was a time, and it, and it's changed a lot. I hope. Uh, well, they stopped busing in, but there used to be a time where, like, uh, our school was three stories high, mm-hmm. and um, like like the third floor was where all the gangbangers used to, you know, uh, hang out. So there was a time when it was like the blacks and the Mexican riots that used to go on. <laughs> that if you're going to the class, you'd have to go. Like, we'd walk each other to class. Fuck. It's like, who got a class on the third floor? I'm like, yo, all right, let's roll. Like, you wouldn't go by yourself, so you wouldn't get jumped by a Mexican. You know what I mean? It was that type of environment, you know? Never. And that that wasn't like a year-round thing, but it's just like, I don't know if it was like do the right thing when it was extra hot or something, then Mm -hmm. there was some beef. But, you know, maybe once or twice a year... A, a, a black guy would get into a fight with a Mexican guy yeah. and somebody would get jumped and then yeah. it just escalated where everybody kind of circled the wagons. But I always find it ironic because we were so outnumbered, but we still held our own during that time. Wow. Did you get in fights ever? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, see, it's high school. Yeah, you know? of course. Man, see, I get jealous of that because, like, you guys had your you guys had your groups. I, I had never a, I, I a had bus full. I, I had three dwarves in my high school. We weren't exactly a gang. Wait, 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 <laughs> well, yeah, we, wait, wait, wait. Yes, but, you were. You just didn't name yourself. But I find that fascinating. Ankle biters to have <laughs> ankle biters unite. <laughs> and you all have pugs. Yeah, we all just walk around with pugs like we hard. Yeah, you got your pit bull. I got, I got my, my pugs. Pug. <laughs> pug life. My pug will mess you up. Now I didn't even know that there were more. There was more than one. That is yeah. Surprising. That's that's, fa- that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. We had, we had I had three dwarves in my high school, and then so that must have made other, you feel better. Well, yeah, because the, did they the bust other in the two, other two after they found out you were there? And they were like, <laughs> he needs friends. Uh, not exactly a bus. It was, it, it was just more like an underground tunnel system, kind of like Fraggle Rock. Uh, so he's gonna keep. I used to way. love Fraggle Rock. <laughs> exactly. Best, Who doesn't? Now you speaking our language. Yeah. Uh, Doozers were the little, uh, the uh, original dwarves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we, it, it was me, and then it was Sandy and James, and Sandy and James were brother and sister and uh so they had a built-in yeah so but the weird part is that uh sandy was younger so when she got into the school all these guys were like coming up to james going dude there is a dwarf chick you have got to go date her and he's like yeah that's my sister idiot like i can't (laughs) they just want to see a dwarf couple so bad (laughs) they're like dude you gotta go and then uh, isn't that funny when you're like uh and obviously, Brad can relate to this when you're when you stick out in an environment, right? Like, uh, like one of my first jokes ever, and and before I really dug down into my personal life, um, one of the when I was a younger comic and I used to try to talk, be a little bit more personal back then. One of my first jokes was, um, I grew up in an all black neighborhood, and went to an all Mexican high school, went to an all white church, and shopped at a lot of Asian stores. That used to be like, because <laughs> that was kind of my life. Yeah, but. I remember uh, going to this church because my parents were missionaries. It was all white church, mm-hmm. and whenever a black visitor came, uh, they would. If it was a girl, they go, "Hey, Keisha's nice, isn't she, Reuben? What do you think of Keisha?" <laughs> so funny, you know. So I could totally yeah, relate. They like they try to hook you up. want to stay with yeah. your kind. My mom right. does the same thing with Jewish girls, really, all the time. And my uh, rabbis that I've uh, I taught their kids growing up, so and they're real cool people. I say like it sounds like a bigger deal when I say my rabbis as if yeah. like that's such a Jewish thing to have. That like, is your rap I've group. Got ra- <laughs> Yo, man, hanging with my rabbis. What up, Mazel Tov, Shabbat Shalom, motherfucker. Yo, Adam, why you be hanging out with them ankle biters? Yo, stick stick with your rabbis. Shalom. Uh, so, uh, but they're always trying to hook me up with like like they'll be you know my mom will you know I met up so I was out with Pam and. Um, you know her uh, her daughter, uh, you know Christine is back on the market. I'm like, oh Christine, the um, the Jew, right? <laughs> well, it's just one thing about her, but I think it would be great. <laughs> is this the main thing about yeah. her? But <laughs> a girl could fucking. It's it's such a important thing. Like, well, what, here's the thing. I I think naturally, people instinctually feel like be with your own kind. Yeah, yeah. But it got to be a problem because my brother had a crush on this white girl. Oh shit! And she had a crush on him, and and this is in what era? This, this was the in 80s? the in the in the eighties. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I just remember him. You know, I was a kid. I just remember him being disappointed because they wouldn't let them go to the church function together. Yikes! Now that's when it's wrong. Like I could see the parents or the oh the parents. Oh wow! Yeah, like are the people at the church kind of said something to my parents like. I don't think it's a good idea if 
you know, my brother and David goes out with this. Particular I hate that white phrasing girl. too, because that's such a controlling passive. Like it's, I, it would be in his best interest. Best interest, to yeah. Not say, yeah. But, would, at, but at a church, like, like it, like now that I'm older, like that's gross. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Like you would think, really, you're gonna tell two kids that? Yeah, and, and, at a church function, and yeah. and it, it's just that thing that that also makes you realize that racism. You're not born with that like it, 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 it's, it's literally comes from the outside because there's like yeah hey i like you you like me let's hang out and then it's the outside forces that come and go whoa whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you doing Wait, here well hold on. it's not supposed to be like this yeah exactly yeah awesome. uh so at what, at what point does comedy start to become a part of your like did you make your brother's uh brother and sister laugh like your fa- i mean um growing up in carson having the missionary parents like this does not scream well, sitcom to me no but but you know what's uh actually it does but what well, now it does which yeah, is interesting yeah. because when i first started doing stand-up uh my parents are originally from haiti mm-hmm. when i started doing stand-up uh, the, all the comedians that, that richard Pryor, a lot of the comedians that are like talked about their personal lives so yeah. i was like oh you know i'll start talking about my family and, and it used to bomb especially because when i started off i used to do all black rooms Mm-hmm. So and no, and what's funny is no one even remembers this time, but people didn't know what Haitians were. Right. So because my lifestyle wasn't really Haitian because I grew up in the hood, yeah. in an African American neighborhood, I just basically did African American comedy. And yeah. it wasn't until later on when people started finding out, like Johnny Sanchez or George Lopez or different people. And when I started working with Russell, I'm not trying to name sure. drop. I'm just saying wow, people. This is important. I'm just saying people who would be like, dude, why don't you talk about being Haitian in your fa-? Like, I would tell them stories about my father and they'd literally be dying like, dude, you got to do that on stage. And I go, yeah, I used to try to do it. And two things happened. One, back then I wasn't good enough. I wasn't a good enough comic to yeah. really pull it off back yeah. then but the most important thing not making excuses after the hurt earthquake that really gave people a reference point for right. Haiti because you say African everybody has a stereotype yep. sure. you say Jamaican everybody oh, has stereotype. a stereotype yeah, you, say, you say Haitian, Haitian. Uh, what the fuck what is uh, Google Haiti? Google yeah exactly yeah. yeah so that's what I was dealing with now that people know what Haiti is and mm. now that I'm a better comic where now I do it all over the world because whether you know about Haiti or not, I'm good enough to paint the right. picture yeah. where it's like, okay, whether you know what a Haitian is or not, this is my family. Sure. This, these, these are the situations right. I ran yeah. into. I, yeah, I can imagine if you're going up at, let's say, the Comedy Union and... <sighs> P- and Tell me what the comedy union which is. Which is a notorious, all, all, like pretty much an all-black all black club. club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, yeah. an all-black all comedy club. And you go up there and you're coming up looking like you look. They're, yeah. they're like, all right, so we're going to get black comic. They're like, oh, yo, my mom's from Haiti. You're yeah. like, wait, what? what? Yeah. yeah. They, 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 must, they must have been confused by that. Yeah, and then now it's funny because it was in the last five years, especially when I started working with Russell, because he does all the international stuff. Right, right, right. Then he's like, yo, dude, you need to talk about that stuff. Now, again, not to name drop, this is Kurt Russell, the actor. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the yeah. big global Absolutely. comedian. Yeah. yeah. No, Kurt, Russell yeah. Peters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it would be great, though. I, wouldn't that. it be awesome if it was Kurt Russell? <laughs> Get out there. No, I don't even know. He, he, no, no. <laughs> seven. I love, that's the best, by the way, when you, you've clearly never tried to do a Kurt Russell impression. <laughs> I know. Because you just tried and stopped yourself four seconds in. <laughs> Oh, wait. That's not going well. It's probably dead on. But it, it was probably dead on, yeah. yeah. Uh, wait, uh, when did you meet Russell Peters? I met Russell in 2006. Okay. And um, 
Now was he was he Russell Peters? Here's yet? The, here's the funny thing. Uh, he was Russell Peters, but I had no idea who he was. Right. I was at the Laugh Factory, and I got off stage. He's like, "Yo, you're a funny dude. Where are you from?" We just started talking, and then somehow we started talking about boxing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're a big he, fan. I'm a big boxing fan. You yeah. know, I go to the, I go to fights the whole nine. And he's a big boxing fan, and then um, he invited me to his house, mm-hmm. and I go to his house, and he lives in this big ass house. Yeah. And I'm like, "Yo, dude, what do you do?" <laughs> and he He's goes, a uh, I'm a comedian. I go, yeah, I know you're a comedian. I go, but what else do you do? Yeah. And he goes, that's all I do. I go, seriously, dude. Like, what's your like? I wanted to know what his. Do day you have job like an was. internet startup? Are you a day trader? Yeah. Like, like, like what, what do you do? How like, are you paying for this that, mansion? Yeah, his house yeah. was that big, and he goes, and he was embarrassed. He was like, dude, I'm kind of like famous in Canada. Yeah. And I go, yeah, <laughs> right. He goes, like, no, dude. He's like, so good. He's like, I'm, I'm kind of. A, a big deal in Canada. And like Alanis Morissette is famous in Canada. Yeah, like you're. Yeah, you, there's I'm, no way you can have. I'm all laughing this. my ass. Canada, Alanis Morissette, Wayne Gretzky. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Maybe Rick Moranis. And, and maybe Alan Thicke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. Maybe Alan Thicke should be the name of some book or documentary. I know. Maybe Alan. Yeah. Thicke. Yeah. Maybe Alan Thicke. So um, <laughs> he kind of convinced me. Yeah. And then. Um, well, sure. He kind of convinced you by opening up his garage and see. All right. That's. that's but still, when somebody that's tells you that they just do comedy at no that way. point, they're not famous. You're still sure. not believing it. Because. But this yeah. is when I believed it, Brad. He goes. Um, to show you how much I didn't believe him. So about a week later, I come, I come over to his house to, uh, to watch a fight. And then he goes, uh, hey, man, uh, I got some dates in Canada next week. Do you want to come? And I go, dude, I need more notice than that, man. I, to get a ticket at this late of a notice? Mm-hmm. Like, that would be, like, I can't afford that. Yeah, it should be like $700 flight. Yeah, and he's like, nah, I, I got your ticket. I go, you got my ticket? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get you a ticket and I'll pay you and... It's a gig. And I go, are you sure? He goes, yeah, dude. Like, yeah, it's I'll take okay. care of her. I'll yeah. take care of everything. Yeah. So he picks me up at the airport. When I land in, in Toronto, he picks me up at the airport. I get into uh, his car and uh, we're on. He goes, you hungry? I go, yeah. So we go to the mall and he, he goes, before we get out the car, he goes, dude, I'm going to get mobbed in this mall. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you still don't believe him. I still don't believe him. I still, this is like I'm the like, most elaborate prank ever. But here's the thing. You're like, I, is Alan Thicke going to pop out and join us? Because then I'll believe this story. So we go to the mall. I kind of started believing him a little bit, but I didn't know to what level. Because in my mind, when I think of famous, I think of Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy yeah. and, yeah. you know, Jamie Foxx. People you know. People I know. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, lo and behold, what he said was true. And then, you know, he was performing in front of, I think at that time, we did a theater and it was like 5,000 people. or three, You know, it was shit. like crazy. And I go, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. So, oh, so you, you are. You do comedy. <laughs> and then after that, I didn't work with him for a while. Uh-huh. And then, you know, just as comics, we'd see each other around. Sure, sure, did sure. he get mobbed at that mall? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like he, Beatles style. Like crazy. But it was all Indians. Right. You know? But in Canada, it was, you know, this particular mall was like, you know, but then we went to other places where it was just all white people. He was getting mobbed there, too. And that's how our friendship kind of started. Then uh, I was kind of doing my own thing. He was doing his whole thing. And then uh, randomly he heard that I helped people put stuff together uh, comedy wise. And then he asked me to help him do something. Uh, He was taping a show. And then our friendship kind of took off from there. And Shit. so I work on and off with him. But it did. The best advice that I did get from all of them was um, tell your story. 
and yeah. I kind of just started telling my story. And that's one thing that's great about Brad or anybody who has a built-in story. It's like you cannot not be who you are yeah. and go on stage and not talk about that. Yeah. And if and I have a philosophy, and this is a gift to anybody listening. Any comic that's famous, I'll say 99, well, let's just say 90% of them, mm-hmm. you can describe what they do in a sentence or less on sure. why they're famous. And they might not want to be labeled as that, but for some reason in our business, if you can be easily defined and easily labeled, you're easier to package and sell. Yeah. Right. And that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Louis started blowing up when he became the guy that's like, he's going to tell dirty jokes about his kids yeah like he like 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 he's gonna go on stage and say i fucking hate my daughter yeah and, and like stuff like that and then that's when louis kind of boom you know th- what yeah, i mean that's that and it, 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 it is something that now that i'm doing it in my head like i'm going through that rolodex of comics like okay he does this she does this and they like yeah, to label you they george just, lopez he's the mexican comic. right they blah, did, blah 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 he's that comic. they, yeah. they, Kevin Hart, they he's just the want to you know yeah, yeah. yeah they just want to be able to go into a meeting and be like we have this project for for Ruben Paul, he's the he's the Haitian guy that grew up in the hood and and ca- you know what's crazy, California. man? I've been doing comedy almost twenty years, mm-hmm. and these these last and and part of it is is obviously growth and development, but people real like people have come up to me when I was in Montreal last year. They go like industry is like you know what? I've always thought you were funny, but this stuff that you're doing now is just great. <laughs> and to be honest with you. I don't think it's as strong, you know, because when you're when you're new, you're just trying to yep. get standing ovations right. every night yep. and absolutely Build a name destroy. For yeah, but it's it's people latch on to it. Yeah. And even if you watch Kevin Hart, like a lot of people try to uh, crit- criticize Kevin. I think Kevin is hilarious. I think he's a funny guy, but more importantly, the audience feels like they know him. Yeah, yeah, because he's telling his story, yeah. and that's more valuable than somebody going up on stage and just destroying. Just to be well, destroyed, because because yep. you'll get you'll get a different experience out of the show. Yes, is yes you, you you can you can tell extremely funny jokes that have like you could be an observational and, and have great and, social yeah. commentary, but it's like what are you? You're Who just, are you? Yeah, yeah. You don't get you don't get to know somebody through commentary. Yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, and then when people see that. When you come back to that area, they don't feel like they're going back to see the comedian Reuben Paul. They're like, oh, no, I'm seeing my friend Reuben Paul. Absolutely. Because they've gotten to know you now on stage. Like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. And it's always weird when you start doing material like that because then when you're off stage, you'll have random strangers come up to you and be like, yo, dude. And then they just start talking to you about your life. And you're like, wait. Did I know you? Did I go to high school with you? Did I, like, yeah. Like, oh, oh, you're a fan. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And it's almost like <laughs> instinctually as comics, we're almost taught to hate that. Mm-hmm. Man, Brad is only getting that because he's, a, you know. Yeah, yeah, You know, or if, man, George only do that because he's Mexican. And then, right, right, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's who they are. Yeah. Well, Cat Williams, the only reason why, because he do... Like it's well. What do you expect Cat Williams to do? Was he going to talk about being a Midwestern white guy? Like, <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, you know, and he's going to talk d- about his life. And and I think, like for me, I never wanted to be put in a box, so I fought against that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then now I fig- feel I've found out that I have more value to whatever show that I'm on because I am doing something that's honestly who I am. That's sure. going to be, and you're offering that different perspective, whereas. 
maybe maybe when you're first coming up and absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, uh, maybe t- to get booked initially, you maybe had to do like the sort of typical maybe absolutely Def Jam stuff just to get booked. But now once you're got booked, now it's like, okay, now I've got the credibility. Now I can really be me. Exactly. And, and not just do the stuff that everyone expects. And you know what's interesting? Writing-wise, mm-hmm. when I go back and look at the old material, um, I understand why I wrote those jokes. Like and what? Na- and now they make more sense now. Yeah. Because I think, I think some of my friends, they go, Oh, now I get it. Like I always thought the other stuff was funny, but now it's really funny because we know that you're Haitian. Now we have a clearer yeah. picture. Mm-hmm. Like the picture was a little hazy before. It was still funny, but now I think it's crystal clear with some of the bits. Like now you know why I think the way that I think. Why my perspective is the way that it is. And you're saying it really. You're tw- almost twenty years in. Yeah. And you're saying just in the last couple of years, you feel like you had this uh, breakthrough. Wow. <laughs> Major breakthrough, and I could tell because I'm. So Just, 18 years in, you were do, you were still doing your thing, still doing, doing my really thing, well, still and, working, yeah. still writing for people, like yeah. supplement my income anywhere that I could. But now people are seeing TV. Like when I talk about my sister that went to prison, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Now the fact that I had Haitian parents and had a sister who was hood and went to now it's funnier automatically. What finally? What do you think uh, really contributed to that breakthrough other than just uh, just just people going just tell your story? Because well, honestly, uh, part of me goes like hmm. I'm a funny guy, but there's a lot of funny black guys. Mm-hmm. So what's going to make me different yeah. than them? Like, no one is going to outdo DL and black people do this, white people do that. Yeah. Like, right. that's, he's fantastic he's, at that. He's got it. That's what he does. He yeah. has that. So I never really did that type of comedy anyway, but I, I wanted to, I, I used to, in my opinion, I used to write really good, great observational jokes that I thought were original and from my perspective, but a lot of times... Those are jokes other people can come up with. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, even if they steal them, you can be like, well, I had that same thought. But nobody has two parents that are from Haiti that got right. killed in a car accident, that I have two pugs, or, you know what I mean? Like those yeah. things, that's Reuben Paul. Yeah. Like you can't. You can't hack that. Yeah. Yeah. That grew up in Carson. Right. You know. Yeah. And, by, and by the way, I, I I'm this is just an observation from me, Ruben. I think whenever you're giving advice to people, you should absolutely have one of your dogs in your lap. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, it just I'm taking everything you say. It with just a lot has more weight. Yeah, I, I, I I feel like I'm being talked to by a Bond villain right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Like what you need to do in stand up comedy <laughs> as I stroke my pug. <laughs> which that which sounds like a euphemism for masturbation. Yeah. Stroking the pug, but whatever. Yeah, so I I think I think that is that's been the biggest breakthrough of just, uh, you know, one thing I say to, before I go on stage is like, just tell your story. Mm-hmm. And whatever comes out, comes out. But I'm. Do you riff a lot on stage or you, you write a I lot? Riff, I riff a lot on stage. Now, do you think writing. Especially the- internationally. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Just because uh, you absorb so much. Yeah. Because being a true, like, I've done a lot of stuff for the troops over the years. But that's just like performing in the U.S. Because once you're on the base, sure. I don't know if that's you guys America. Are, you're I've in America. done, yeah, yeah, I've done the USO things in Iraq, Kuwait, yeah. Oman, all, all, all that. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, it's you're in obviously different surroundings. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's still the American experience. P, when you reference an American TV show or an American ism, yes, they'll they'll, they'll get, get that. Yeah. But you've done shanghai and, hong kong and you're performing for the people that right. live in those places right so so you're doing all uh i mean you have bits about um so what i'll do is a lot of times i'll get to a place and i'm 
I'm blessed enough to have the ability where I'm I'm very observant. Okay. So what I'll do, I mean, the only and I was just telling a comic this the other day, the only thing that I do is I'll come up with whatever observations I have, whatever thing I notice on the street. Yeah. Like as mm-hmm. comics, we all do that. Even if we go to Utah or sure. yeah. Indiana or whatever, yeah. we kind of see what's different from where we come from yeah. and talk about that. But the thing I think I do is I try to think of every joke that every comic will think of and do something different yeah. mm-hmm. or make it more personal to myself. Because yeah. I know if a black guy goes to Hong Kong, if a black guy goes to Shanghai, sure. most of the jokes are going to be like, hey, I'm the only black guy in this yep. area. Yeah, I'm, it's, you yeah, want to find me, I'm me. tall. Well, yeah, yeah. See, that's my problem. Exactly. I would yeah. say that anyway, even if it was me going out there. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm the only black guy here. Like, Why isn't this going well? Ruben, you said it would work. Yeah. <laughs> but those are the things that I try to avoid. But I, I, I honestly try to write like a, a fresh 10 minutes that's that awesome. I'll rip off, rip, riff off of Mm-hmm. When I do it, and then I'll go into the family stuff because no matter where you go in the world, everybody has a mother. Yeah, everybody has a father. Yeah, a brother, a sister, and everybody lo- and everybody enjoys hearing uh, about uh, your version of that. Yes, like whatever. Yeah. And what's unique about my act is. I have a fish out of water story because I'm Haitian and I grew up in the hood and I didn't <laughs> grow up around any Haitian. So any immigrant around the world knows what it's like. Yeah. to right. be. It, you know, and, it, and you have that you have that extra layer to it too, where pe- where people see you in the hood and they go, "All right, black guy, hood, I know this guy." Exactly, and then you can go Haitian. You're like, what? "What? What? Yeah, it's it's like a little." And I don't look Haitian, yeah. right? On top of that, well, not with that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like the only like here are my two reference points for Haitian is you and Wyclef, and yeah. that's it. So a- anything I know about Haiti, it's you and Wyclef. Well, uh, a Haitian comic, uh, shout out Franz Cassius. Because here's the thing, New York, Miami, there's tons of Haitian comics. Yeah. And there's only a few here in L.A. There's a guy by the name of Malik who works with Cedric the Entertainer a lot. Um, and then there's Will Silvance, yeah. who's you know a popular yep. Haitian comic. And then there's this guy, Franz Cassius. And the thing that felt more gratifying is when you start doing something that, quote unquote, guys have been talking about for years, you're just like, fuck, I'm, I hope I'm not just regurgitating shit that they did sure. yeah. before I had my epiphany. Right. right. And Franz saw me, he's like, dude, your shit is so different than ours. He goes, because you didn't grow up around us, so you don't have the same, you have a totally different right. observation. Now, we've talked about it a lot, but I, I, don't, I would love to hear some actual examples growing up with Haitian parents, like what... I mean, what was some of the stuff that you would like in Shanghai? What would you tell them about your? Folks? I would just tell them the, the stories, you know, about how, you know, growing, how I got made fun of a lot. Like I got, I mean, you got to understand, dude. In the eighties, a Haitian family in the hood, and people didn't know what Haitian were. You'd have thought we were Martians. Like hmm. everything was wow. questioned. Like, why does your father talk so funny? Like, if I'd have said I was African. They used to call me African Booty Scratcher, and I have no idea what that means. <laughs> that sounds like a Kama God. Sutra position. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this motherfucker. Motherfucker, oh, African Booty Scratcher. Hey, nigga, oh, this man. motherfucker. Motherfucker, oh, African. Like, Quincy, that cost $65 at the Wynn Casino in Vegas. <laughs> oh, After the massage. Booty yeah, yeah. African Booty Scratcher yeah. massage. And I was like, I used to be like, I'm not African, I'm Haitian. So they didn't know what it was. So, right. so, so even you defending it just made it more confusing. Yes. So you yeah, weren't so ever like, clarifying the. Or, or wow okay yeah so they're it, like oh you're Haitian so what part of Africa exactly <laughs> they had no idea what Haitians were and then yeah. when I started letting people into my house and then they would go what the fuck is that and mm-hmm. I'd be like fried bananas and they'd be like plantains 
fried banana. Like Martian food. <laughs> dude, my boy said this, and I say this on stage. He's like, your family fries fruit? And I go, yeah. And he's like, what else are you guys? You guys be frying watermelon? Like, what the what? What do you guys, you know, like they just had no. Wow. They, they had just no. Um, now, would you go out? Would reference. you feel compelled to go out of your way to like educate people, or were you just not like when I was a kid? I no. was embarrassed about it, mm-hmm. dude. When the phone rang, you'd have thought I was Carl Lewis, dude. Like full you <laughs> Hussein Bolt, dude. I did not want my parents to answer the phone. Wow, because that's full on. Everybody would know that I'm different. And everybody would know and, I'd get made. I'd get made fun of. Like they, I was, they had strong Haitian accents. Oh yeah. And, man. and what's what, the like? What's the Haitian accent? Like like I don't, like like if you could like, do it, but. uh uh because you no go you go you, you go do podcasts at Bud's oh oh why you go you know is this a big heavy yeah and my father's why you who been you I come here you hear me call you you crazy like you know is that yeah. mm-hmm. this this big hefty yeah. Creole and then Haitians what they do I was just telling Franz this um I met my one of my uh, my uncles for the first time ever in my life in Montreal. Oh man! Holy shit. And, and um, Haitians have this thing that they do, and I had Franz in tears, and I didn't understand. I was just telling them what they did. It's like you know, being Jewish, the guilt trip. Yeah, dude. But see, Haitians—they're so theatrical. So they, so I walked in there. Oh, man! And they start speaking Creole, but basically, the English version. Oh, you don't want to know your fa- you ashamed? Oh, like it's it's just, but they're speaking the language. But mm. I'll do it and like oh, Upa Bez went going it for me. Oh, 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 Ben, Upa Bez went going it for me. No, Bonje, the garçon ça. Oh, you know, it's like I love that there's no R in your name all of a sudden. Oh yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, my Ooh, father called me Wuben, which is. W-O-O-O-B-E-N. Like, it has nothing to do with Ruben. But, yeah, so talking about all those things, man, um, I, I just got, they just didn't understand the culture, so yeah. I used to hide from it. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's why, so so take me being embarrassed most of my life, then right. starting doing stand-up comedy. Okay, I'm going to try it. Then it bombs, like, once, and like, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah, if, eh, yeah. people cool. need to understand, too, when you're starting out, you, you don't have the confidence to try multiple. You're like, I'm getting up. Isn't that enough? I'm going to go up tomorrow, and I'm up tonight. Like, yeah. don't expect me to try what I did tonight tomorrow. Like, exactly. I, if it didn't work, yeah. I'm done with I'm it. done. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until, like, I'm a grown man, and I kind of seen, you know, other examples of people being... Now, obviously, if they're... You know, uh, <laughs> if, if L.A. had, uh, you know, a million Haitians, yeah. I'd be super famous right now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There's not a huge Haitian community. So. Yeah, there's, no, there's, there's not a bunch of directors and producers going, where is our Haitian-based sitcom? <laughs> but, uh, Haitians are so hot right now. <laughs> but, you know, the show that I'm developing right now, like when I was in Montreal, one thing that really took off was the stuff about my sister because you know her going to prison and just mm-hmm. her personality and her if attitude you can, can you oh yeah my, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> um a few things but she ended up i think getting locked up for what am i uh drugs selling okay. selling drugs I, I was hoping you weren't gonna say stealing dr pepper from the grocery store they worked at uh, like i did in high school because i was about to fucking like get up and run out of the fucking country yeah <laughs> I, so what? that whole drugs thing, what kind of drugs Cocaine, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and Locked other up for things. A while. My sister did everything. Wow. Have you ever seen the show Empire? Yeah, my sister's Cookie. Wow, like <laughs> literally. If you met my like my sister is first time I did comedy. Um, first time I did, comedy, I was like, she, her name is Gladys, but now she's sophisticated, so she goes my Renee now. And I go, 
I go, I go, uh, I go, Gladys. I go, uh, I'm thinking about doing comedy. She was like, really? And she, she was trying to turn over a new leaf. Like mm-hmm. she had just gotten out and she didn't want to hustle anymore. Sure. And then she goes, really? And I go, yeah. She goes, you think you could do it? I go, yeah. She's like, nigga, I'm funnier than you. <laughs> <laughs> My sister is the worst motivational speaker ever. <laughs> she is, dude. She called me one time. You know what made me a hustler in this game? Why I hustle so hard? One time she called me and I had, a, you know, we get late sets. Yeah, like I didn't get sure. home and we hang out afterwards, go, yeah. go to Denny's or whatever. 1, 2 a.m. Later than that. that you know, yeah. so we get home late. My sister calls me and it was noon. I go, hello? And I go, Hey, was, it, was that Kurt Russell answering the phone? <laughs> no, no, no. Was, I go, hello. That's that's Ruben Paul. Yeah. I go, hello. She's like, you sleep? And I go, yeah. And she goes, it's twelve noon. And I go, I know. I got home late. And she goes, nigga, you too broke to be sleep. <laughs> well, you know what? She is funnier than you. Changed my life. Really? That line. If for some reason too it broke? hurt my feelings. Yeah. But then I was thinking about, you know what? I am too broke to be sleep right now. Wow. It's not like I got. You know, a hundred thousand in the bank just mm-hmm. sitting there, yeah. And I'm sleeping at noon. I need yeah. to get the fuck up, you know. So that's why I'm one of those comics that I I the latest I get up the is probably ten o'clock. Will be the latest. Yep. I'm usually up by like eight nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you sleep till one, now all all the deals have been done. Come on, dude. Lunches have been had. Uh, what done. what um you're you're close with your sister. Oh yeah, very close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did uh, what was the first thing she did when she got out of prison? I'm always very. I met somebody recently who at a show who just got out of prison, and the guy goes, he, he was uh, at Flappers in, in Burbank, and he goes, "Man, just thank you for doing this. I just got out. I was in for eight years. I was locked up, and and this is to, to see people in live comedy is amazing." I go, "What was the first thing you did?" He goes, "Go to Denny's, man. Honestly, go to Denny's. You and know, get a fucking Grand Slam." I don't remember because I know, and she doesn't care. I've had this conversation with her. I put her business out there like that, but. <laughs> Um, I know when she first got out, I was, I think, just going into high school. Yeah. So she still wasn't finished hustling. So she still was hustling yeah. for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, she became a Christian. That's when she was like, you know what? I need to stop hustling. And I, I admire her so much because I rem- like, I mean, she used to, she used to make bank. And then I remember uh, hearing. That's why people do it, huh? The drug game is oh my lucrative. God. Yeah. She, I mean, the whole, th- uh, the whole thing, and she was doing more than just that. But I remember hearing her crying in her room one night, and the next morning I go, uh, "Why?" I said, "I heard you last night. You okay?" She's like, "It's so hard." And I go, "Why?" And she's like, "I'm d- trying to live right." And she goes, "I'm struggling." She's like, "I can go out and get ten thousand right now." Oh my god! You know, and she's like, "Just to how do you turn like you know yeah, what I mean? Just to understand. turn it off, you yeah. know?" And I just. And that made me respect her even more because she made a choice. And then she, I'm, I'm sure having a, you know having a kid that changed it also. Yep. And like I can't be out in these streets yep. doing this stuff. But sure. it's crazy because I grew up and my sister used to gangbang. So like add on top of everything that I told you, and then your sister being the toughest person in your family. Yeah. <laughs> Holy on shit! On top of all that. So so like were you the guy that when you got in trouble you'd be like, hey man, don't mess with me. I'm gonna go get my sister. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go get Gladys. <laughs> Oh, I'm oh, gonna yeah. go get Gladys. I'm gonna go get Crazy Gladys. <laughs> I mean, they used to call her Crazy Gladys. That's the name. That's, that's the name of your sitcom. sitcom. Yeah. I'll, I'll go get Gladys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but she's she's a prominent character on on the show, and um, but again, until I started talking about all the things that I was embarrassed about. You know what I mean? I was yeah. just another funny guy, but I used to be embarrassed that my sister went to jail. I used to be embarrassed that my parents were from Haiti. With good reason. W- yeah. Why? I, 
I mean, it's it sounds crazy to to be uh, doing almost twenty years and and to, and have it take that long for you to feel comfortable talking about it. But yeah. it, I mean, it happens when it happens. Like you said, you tried. I mean, you probably could have. Also, I feel like we need to be compelled and have an emotional attachment when we're talking about anything on stage. Mm-hmm. So it just took this long for you to feel uh, right. I, now, I'm curious too. When you said you wrote for other people, yeah, yeah. like um, how long did you do that for? Um, I still I still do it. Yeah. Um, do, you it think a, that, do you think that stinted your? I don't think it stinted it. You, you got to understand, dude. Once I started doing comedy, and probably after that second set that I did when I tried the Haitian stuff. I didn't try it on my first set. I kind of had what I was going to do. Um, I just was like, I'm African-American. Like, that was my, that's what I was, that's my upbringing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up in the hood. Like, those are all my friends. I didn't have any Haitian friends. Yeah. I didn't have any other friends whose parents spoke any other language. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to be. I just wanted to be comfortable. I just wanted to fit in. I played ball. So I did, quote, unquote, you know, I assimilated 100% fully until, and I wasn't Haitian until I went home mm-hmm. and closed. And even then, I was like, ah, oh, do you have to be speaking Creole at home? Like, yeah. can't you speak English? You know what I mean? I was totally embarrassed about it. And now it's been my biggest gift, you yeah. know, later on down the line. But it wasn't, I just started talking about my sister until later. But like you said, you have to feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah, and I think sure. the first stuff was talking about just me and how I was embarrassed and all the humor that came from that. And then... All right, I'll start talking about my sister now. Oh, yeah. I'll start talking about I have pugs now. I'll yeah. start talking about all these things that I get made fun of, and it just connects you with the audience. More. So now the writing for your show just must be so. Oh, uh, uh, it's mean, awesome. Not easy, but like you just must be so focused. Like you see everything so clearly now because you're like, oh, cool. Now I know how to access all this stuff, and it's easier to write because yeah. it's easy for me to write for other people because I can look at Brad and I know Brad's story. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you're writing stand up for people, yeah, Who? so. so well, are you allowed to say? say a lot of them? But I've collaborated, yeah. sure, yeah, with a lot of people sure. from Jamie Foxx to Cedric the Entertainer Holy shit. to George Lopez. Holy yeah. shit! You know, to Russell. You know what I mean? It's amazing. So, but to be honest with you, even to this day, I'm still always. And I was asking Marcus uh, King, who used to manage Jamie for a while, and Mark Curry and Mike Epps, and he's one of the biggest. I go, I go. I never understood why people come to me for you know. For jokes like I never really I always felt like I can write a joke and, yeah. right but he was just like well you have a good sensibility and you have great structure and those are two things that are important in collaborating and like people. you said like when you go to new cities you absorb shit uh, absorb pretty shit. quickly so, so yeah. meeting people and getting to know them you probably like you said you, you soak up their story and who they are pretty quick yeah yeah it's and you know it's funny and I'm not just saying this and and I have to I have to retrain my brain now because it's so difficult, especially when you're writing scripts and stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. to t- write about yourself. Yeah. Um, but comedically, of course, I can write for myself, but I can, I can write an hour for Brad quicker than I can write an hour for myself. Oh, shit. Wow. Just because, I don't know, I can watch him on stage, I can get his personality, so, I can uh, see what... I'm I, supposed to have a new special <laughs> soon. Uh, how fast no, do you have that hour? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what it is, but, but, yeah. but it wouldn't be... <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't be like hear Brad say this, right? You know, it'd be like, "Hey, Brad, what do you what do you want to talk you about?" Workshop and discuss. You work yeah, to, yeah. Like people uh, get their give Kevin Hart a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and and they try to shit on him. But my whole thing is this, dude: if Richard Pryor can collaborate with people, yeah, no yeah. Shit. 
Paul Mooney. Yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of yeah. Then who are you to have who too much you? pride? Because I don't think any great comic is just straight, straight up taking something and going cool. I'll say what you wrote. Absolutely. Because they need to make it. Because a they if they've gotten that far. They've done it for a significant amount of time of, of doing it in their own voice, and they still need to have it be that way. Absolutely. And you need to kind of... Um... And here's the thing. I don't... Every, every great comic has a guy, yeah. whether the public knows about it or not. You mm-hmm. have somebody you go, hey, man, what do you think of this? Or will you take a look at this? Yeah. Or what do you... Sure. You know what I mean? And at, at every level. Where the, every it, level. It's that friend that you just bounce things off yeah. of if it's, if it's yeah. something as lowly as that, or a guy who's actually hired to work for you and the thing is is a lot of these guys like kevin hart yeah and he's so busy yeah. with all the movies and everything else that he's doing he doesn't have time to go up six times in a week and work the stuff yeah, out exactly he, he does not have the time because he's working 15 hour days and then has a uh, call time four hours after that yeah but, but exactly. you know what's great about him though man uh and i'm friends with kevin and he's one of the the only ones that I can think of that actually give the guy's writing credit on his special. Oh, oh really? And that is That's unheard of. Yeah. It is, isn't it? That's unheard of. It's great, and, it's great and I'm that he doesn't saying, have that much pride, and, and he doesn't... Yeah, because you, ne- you, you never see that. Never see that. And, and mostly, you never see such and such written by Paul Mooney and Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that you have to do that. Like, I'm not looking to get credit. I'm happy with what I get out of the deal. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? I get gratification of seeing a joke work. Yeah. You know, but I, but for people to try to attack Kevin and say, oh, he has ghost writers and this, this and that, they're not just going, hey, Kevin, say this. They actually work. They get together. Sure. And Kevin says, these, these are some of the things that I, are in my head that I want to talk about. And they all right. sit down and they... Or they bring thoughts they riff. to they him that thoughts? he hasn't been thinking about because exactly. he's when you're brain, when you're in so many different places. Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, go great right here. If you if you talked about something like that, and then that's that's what they do. Have you done that my, with them? No, but no. one of my good friends is yeah. is a part of his his crew. But that's what you have done with some of these guys. Exactly. That's, the that's what you yeah. do. Yeah, you sit down. It's like, yo, man. I, is there somebody that's been more fun to jam with? Another that that really. George Lopez is the is the best because he knows exactly what he wants to do. He's so mm-hmm. specific. And if I can give any advice to any comics, is be as specific as you can about whatever you're doing. Well, and that, and acting, yeah. and comedy, and just be specific. And that also relates to making it so much your, your own, own that yes. no, like, no one else can do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, just, it, it applies only to you where you could see that joke and go, that's a George Lopez joke. Exactly. That's a Ruben Paul joke. Exactly. That's whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, wow, that, that's great. That's great that he has that work ethic. It takes time and, to develop that yeah. specificity though, right? Yeah, it does. And you know, do you guys know who Lance Crothers is, right? He collabs. Uh, he played Pootie Tang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. But what people don't know about him, he's one of the biggest collaborators in town. Like if wow. I even, I won't tell you on air, but if sure. I told you some of the guys that call him and that he writes with, mm-hmm. you'd be like, Holy shit, you know. Maybe Alan Thick. <laughs> <laughs> but in having a, I had a conversation with him uh, one time about it, just randomly. And um, it's, it's, it's the same thing, because I thought maybe his process was different. You know, he's with Chris Rock, Wanda Sykes. Fuck. You know, the, like that's, you know, and those are, I mean, those, that's public knowledge. People know about yeah, them. Sure. But there's other people that don't know he collaborated with them. Right. And um, it's just cool to hear. It's like, yo, man, we just get together. And that's all you do is vibe. And, you know, hey, man, I'm I thinking mean, about this. Yeah. I'm thinking I mean, about doing that. Shit, Brad and I uh, will do that uh, here and there. But I, I feel like to have that, like, 
I mean, I without a doubt, uh, if I got to that point where I had to start churning stuff out, like why wouldn't you have? I'll tell you another guy who used to do it for a lot of people, and mm-hmm. I I don't think he'll mind me saying this is Neil Brennan. Yeah, yeah. Before Neil started doing stand up, of course. Mm-hmm. Neil, I've known Neil for almost twenty years, That's and awesome. more than half of that he wasn't a stand up, but he was always around stand ups. He was always writing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's why he's got such great uh, structure for it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just love and, and and just how like how Neil looks. I just love like the most like black comics just going like, hey, Neil, I really need the black perspective. <laughs> Come over here and write this you know? <laughs> And it's it's one of those. It's I don't know. Like, I, I feel blessed that people respect me enough to even want my opinion on anything. Hell yeah. Absolutely. It's incredible. You know, it's it's. I, that's not something I set out to do, and it's, to be honest, it's, it's something that I don't enjoy. I don't want to say I don't enjoy doing. Is this something I can do? So Russell asked you, and then that kind of word spread after you guys started doing. Uh, stuff. Well, when like when I started working with George, like people yeah. knew I I worked with George, yeah. and people knew I worked with Jamie, mm-hmm. and then uh, it, the order kind of went like Jamie, George, Cedric, yeah, and then from obviously that's all you need is those guys for credibility. Sure, were you yeah, with Jamie you during his uh, in Living Color days? Uh, right towards the end of that, yeah, wow. that's when I I, uh, I met him, and then I, I used to tour with Jamie when I first started. No shit, I toured with him before I should have been touring. What the fuck was that like? Yeah, um, I it, learned how to perform, and yeah. you're talking about tough love and learning. It's just from from the not saying he's a great guy, not saying he's a bad guy, but uh, nothing was. The opportunity was handed to me, mm-hmm. but everything else was, was earned because uh, when you're the guy who who doesn't necessarily earn that spot, mm-hmm. you know, there's initiation that you're going to well, go that, through. That and, yeah, it sounds, it, as you're going through it, it's a lot of like, what the fuck, is, why is this happening to me? But now that you look back, you're like, oh, thank God that happened. Yeah, but because, just to have to get a plane yeah. ticket, pay for your hotel and the money you have left is what you made on the gig. <laughs> right, right, You know, right. that's when you're like, you know, when you move on and then people start paying for your stuff, you're like, yeah. oh, major stars pay for... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do that? <laughs> they they do that? Wait a minute. I don't have to pay for my own hotel? <laughs> you know? Did you ever go to a, an Living Color taping? Yeah. And then this is what sucks. When you're, you know... We'd check into the Ritz-Carlton, and I had to stay at the Ritz with everybody else, so that would be half of what I... Oh, fuck. Oh, but they would make you pay for a Ritz room and not... Come on, dude. Wow. Come on, dude. We'll we'll talk about this off the air. (laughs) It was real fucking life. People don't know, but but when you come back to the clubs, all anybody knows is like, yo, you two, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or whoever it was. Um, And you you had to keep your mouth shut. You can't start... No, man. But, But back then, I didn't know any better. Sure. You know, you think just a gig is a... Is, yeah, but then you're just blessed to be... Doing, yeah. and, and I and think let me that's just say good this. that you were blissfully unaware, you know? And I'm so grateful, even to this day, for those experiences. Yep. You know, because Fuck for yeah. me, I shouldn't have been performing in front of 2,000 people every night. And it taught me how to perform, and it made me a better comic, because there's nothing worse than opening, and you've opened for mm-hmm. big names, mm-hmm. and then imagine an all-black theater, and they're not there to see you, like, you know, the, yeah. the old hack thing but used to happen is, are you guys ready for Jamie Foxx? <laughs> but first, you know. Oh, God. You know, like a ter- terrible NyQuil dream. Come on, dude. So, so just, <laughs> but you know, that, being but in. But that, that makes you a beast. And now there, there, there's not an audience out there that you'll walk in. For, 
Yeah, no, after yeah, that, no one's going to tame that you. beast. Dude, let me tell you something. But in the moment, that's fucking terrifying. I was in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I did this, sh- the second time I went to South Africa, I did this show called Blacks Only, <laughs> which is a spin on apartheid. But right. it's pretty much all black. But they'll, they'll throw a token white comic on there mm-hmm. or whatever. And Dwayne Perkins was like, yo, you're going to go do, shout out Dwayne Perkins. Yeah, you're going to yeah. go do this, uh, you're going to go do um, Blacks Only, right? Mm-hmm. I go, yeah. I was go, how is it? He goes, dude, you're going to kill. I said, really? He goes, but those comics, those South African comics are going to destroy and in my mind, I'm going, yeah. And he goes, dude, they're going to make you work. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they are. And in my mind, yeah, they made you work, Dwayne. Right. Not me. I'm <laughs> Not Paul. me. Exactly. <laughs> dude, there was this comic yeah. named Scumba. Shout out to Scumba. Shout Which, out to Scumba. That sounds like my robot vacuum. Brad. <laughs> Brad and Adam, let me tell you. And he wasn't yeah. the only one. Yeah. These South African comedians would come out, and it was like Def Comedy Jam 19, when, when Martin Lawrence did it. Right, right, right. They would be getting standing ovations. Like, it. they were destroying so hard. And you, and, and then as a comic, yeah. you don't mind if somebody's destroying, you're like, oh, what are they doing? Or what are, you know, right. like, I can't understand what they're saying because it's not in English. Oh, God. Oh, man. So oh, they're no. massacring the room. Yeah. And you don't even know what they're talking you about. I have so no idea. No reference. Can't even, I can't cool, piggyback. Man. I can't no. rip off of anything. So, dude, I'm sweating. And I wanted to text Dwayne while this was going on. <laughs> like, you motherfucker. So <laughs> you th- these right. guys are killing. And I'm thinking, ah, I can still follow that. Yeah, follow yeah, yeah. that. Then Scumba goes on. <laughs> Scumba. Shout out to Scumba. Shout out to Scumba. <laughs> he comes out to a song. Yeah. Never heard the song. But as soon as he come out to the song, hey, everybody stands up and they're oh dancing. Oh, did I mention that these are 5,000 seat venues? Oh, my God. Oh so I'm headlining this. 5,000 people doing the Macarena. <laughs> dancing. And then he came out and he started doing this little dance. Place erupts while he's doing this dance. Oh God, and then he said like a phrase. Mm-hmm. And he goes, blah, 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 and the fucking place explode. It was like Every- the South African get her done. Yeah. Dude, it was it was br- yo dude. Unreal. So you're standing there off stage. And I gotta follow this. What are you thinking? Oh, and the show has already been on for two hours. Oh, oh my, my god. god. How long are you doing? I gotta do 30. Oh god. And I'm talking about the, the, the it's been, when I tell you Brad and Adam, they are destroying. Yeah. You've it's never just, seen anything I've like never it. seen it's anything like level. it. Like it's another level yeah. like crazy. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, damn, I got to go on after this. I got I'm, no catchphrase. And I got no, no catchphrase. I have nothing, nothing to rip out. So I just had to do me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I didn't do as well as him. Mm-hmm. And then I go up to the promoter. I go, look, I could follow him, obviously, but this guy needs to close. Yeah. He needs to close. Right. Like, I don't need, put it your, this way, everyone will have a better, big. yeah, my ego's not that big. Yeah. You know? If it's not a level level playing field, like I have no, like he speaks their language, and he's he was like, I mean, he was just power, like I like it, he was killing so hard. Yeah. I kept going, like, what is he saying? What is he saying? And he was so rapid fire that they didn't have time oh, to tell me what he was saying because oh, it was God. one joke, that, after another joke, yeah, after another the joke. People backstage are probably laughing too. They were laughing too. Oh my God! This and I'm trying to so tell them, they'd be like, they'd be like, what? Well, <laughs> and then they would be laughing. I go, "What did he say?" And then he's on to the. Next. They go, uh, uh, "Oh God, yeah, dude." <laughs> I think and, there and, is, so. Then, so like the stage hand just like 
just like looks at you and goes, you're, you're, you are never following this. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, shit. It, it was crazy, man. I think there is value to show order. Like you're, you're still put, the, the way things flow, the flow of the show. Absolutely. It's not when you hear, like no part of me uh, heard you say that uh, being like, oh, you can't fucking fall. It's like, no, if that guy's doing that and it's going to crush so hard, that should that should be how the show ends. That should be how the show Absolutely. ends, With the dance and the whatever, and, and, and because also people get so spent after certain things. You want to hear a great story? Yeah, fire away. Um, I used to do a work for, for the people who, who put on the tour when I was out, out with Jamie. They, those promoters used to book me on a lot of different shows. Mm-hmm. So they booked me on a show with uh, Mark Curry, Cedric the Entertainer, and Chris Rock. Wow. Jeez. They, Chris Rock, they had closing. Yeah. Cedric went on. Mm-hmm. And massacred that room. Chris Rock went on after him mm-hmm. and did okay. And this was funny. This is what's cool about being the fly on the wall of being insignificant. And I heard Mario Joyner talk about this on uh, on some documentary or whatever. I was on that show when Chris Rock did the Bring the Pain material. Oh, shit. oh that's the Wh- which, black people and there's yes, yeah, which the word I can't say. That's that that special. <laughs> Took Chris Rock's career to a whole nother level. Yeah. We can all be in agreement on that. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest specials of all time. One of the greatest specials of all time. Bring the pain. That special behind Cedric Mm -hmm. couldn't follow it. Wow. So that just lets you know that. Yeah. Just because the guy closes, doesn't mean, that's why my ego doesn't involve, doesn't mean you're a better comic. Yeah. There's styles and energies and low energy and high energy. My thing is, what's good for the show? Yes. It doesn't mean that. Just because I don't put you last doesn't mean I don't think yeah. you're great. Yeah, like but this dude is going to sing at the end. He's going to do impressions. Yeah. He's going to do. He's more of a crowd. Oh, yeah, pleaser, sure. So let him. Close. You're not going to put Stephen Wright, who is a brilliant Come on, comedian, dude. preach, brother, on first. Yeah, yeah. yeah like he, he like, said on first. but like, St- like Stephen's very low energy, and so you're not going to put a guy like a Cedric or this is going to be some deep comedy knowledge some uh, like an Angel Salzar yeah. who does dances and, ch- exactly. and and there's changes and there's music and there's all these different things and then like and now Stephen Wright I once spilled spot remover on my dog I haven't seen him in weeks like, <laughs> like it, it, you're just not going to do that yeah. yeah but the average layman is going to go oh man that Angel Salazar is way better than Stephen Wright. Of course. Like, yeah, um, I think it's a competition. No. <laughs> yeah, it's just not a different a style. It's, it's a just different a different style. style. And and Adam, like you said, there's just a there's something about show flow, and that and and that's why I I always love watching you, Ruben, because you you could host. Yeah, man. You could close. Thank you, man. Yeah, dude. You can go in the middle. Doesn't matter. You're, you're where in a you small go. small group of people that can do that. It's yeah. pretty incredible. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. But yeah, it just really it cool just shows you so and. That was, I mean, that, people always ask me if I'm ever scared. Mm-hmm. That was probably the, well, not the first, probably in, back when I first started. But as a seasoned comic, that's the first time I've ever been like, holy oh, shit. shit. <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do? Like, literally. It's incredible, yeah. right? Yeah, what am I going to do? Like, I, I can't even give you... Did, do you remember Bernie Mac when he did I Ain't Scared of You Motherfuckers yeah. on Def Jam? Yeah. You remember Def how Jam. he did it? Dude? Yeah. All right. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Yeah. You know how hard that destroyed? Yeah. yeah. Multiply that no times way. three. No way. I'm not bullshitting you, dude. Was leaving ever an option in your head? Just walking <laughs> like, out? Fuck it. I'll be part, honest. Part, it, it, it crossed my mind. Yeah, for a second. But I'm in South Africa and they're paying me a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm you like, can't that's... just go down the street to your house. Yeah. You start digging like, are you still going back in your head like really deep bits or are you like quickly calling somebody like quick? Well, like, well I knew this. Give me some internet 
Internet based South African jokes. Like. I, I just I you know, I just went up there and all I could say to myself and one thing that it's you know, taking this conversation full circle, I was like, All I could do is the jokes that I have. Yeah. That's all I can do is tell my you. story. So mm-hmm. Get ready for this Haitian shit. Get ready for my, you know, whatever you, I'm going to talk about. Did you close your set with his dance? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have done. I, I should have, man. Just fucking, and, yeah. don't, and don't get me wrong. I don't want any, any I did great. Yeah, yeah of course. But if, it, on a scale from one to ten, he was an 11 and I was a nine. Yeah. You know, or eight and a half. Like, he right. massacred the room. Yeah. And sometimes it's like that in comedy. Yeah. I mean, we've all been mm-hmm. on shows where, man, that was a great set, but tonight was... Tonight was Brad's night, yeah, man. Yeah, I fucking killed. So, but, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. tonight was Johnny Sanchez's night. Tonight was Adam's night, dude. Yeah, no one could. And that's what's awesome about comedy. Right. It's like, next no time, I, you know, next time, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, you go, like, next time's going to be my night. Next time's going to be my night. You yeah, know, yeah. and I, that's what I love. I love seeing people kill. Yeah. There's so many haters in comedy, but I love fucking seeing Well, Ruben no. Paul, I think whenever you're on stage, it is always your night. <laughs> wow. Oh, thank you, Another Kurt Russell impression. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> We're all doing Kurt yeah, Russell. Right. I got I to gotta ask real quick uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, seeing people kill and you're saying, oh, it was his night. It was his night. Uh, you're a big boxing fan. That Pacquiao Mayweather fight, whose night was it that night? Because I don't feel like anybody who watched it. Here's the thing. Because you were there. I'm, I was there. Yeah. And I'm a boxing purist. You, you had a ticket to that. There was so much ticket. hype. And I'm not even a huge boxing, boxing enthusiast, but I watched and was just like, oh, so is this like the warm-up? Or then, and then they fight <laughs> after this? Or is this... Adam, can I be 100% honest yeah, with you? Yeah, away. I knew it was going to be a boring fight before I even went. Mm-hmm. Like, people who really are into boxing, you hope that Pacquiao was able to change. But in your mind, like anybody who knows if... If Mayweather does what Mayweather does, this is what the fight is going to look Defensive like. Defensive boxing. This is what the fight is yeah. going to look like. You kind of just, you kind of knew. Now, some people thought, well, maybe Mayweather might take some chances and, and be a little bit more aggressive. That would have made the fight. But if he fights the way he normally fights, that's what you're going to get. He's just, um, he's just the best at what he does. Now, he's not exciting. Right. He doesn't, and to be exciting, you have to take. Chances. A lot of risks, yeah, yeah and yeah. he's not the the type that's going to do that. That's just not his. That's not what he so does. So it'd be like watching Dennis Rodman and Dikembe Mutombo just go one on one. You're like, oh, it's a defensive battle, not a lot of scoring. Yeah, but yeah, just a lot of blocks. Well, but in boxing, it's only one guy doing the defense and the other guy trying to catch the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it a little bit like, oh man, won't you stand up and fight? Well, if you've watched his whole career, he never. That's <laughs> what that. he's been doing. I right. guess my problem too is that by the first fight I legitimately like sat down and watched I with a know. bunch of people was Tyson Holyfield. So I've been conditioned to expect oh, uh, flesh. Action. To be chewed and eaten yeah. every time I see a fight. And action, exactly. Yeah. So when there's not and I mean I don't need I don't need an ear to get bit every time. But guess what? <laughs> hey, maybe a calf every now and then. <laughs> switch it up. Hey, there's a lot of meaty parts of the body. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what other fight I went to? Bite a tit. Yeah. You remember the uh when uh Riddick Bow fought Evander Holyfield yeah. and the guy parachuted? Fan man. I was at yeah. that fight. Wow. You were at that fight? I was at that fight. There was my, a riot that broke out. Crazy. My yeah. my sister at the time. Used to work at HBO, and Holy she shit. got us uh, tickets for that fight. And, 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 and just to set the stage, there's there's a, a heavyweight title fight. It's it's in Vegas. The atmosphere, Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace. Holy shit! In the middle of a fight, this dude with a parachute <laughs> and a giant fan strapped to his back lands <laughs> and gets tangled in the thir- in the ropes. ropes. 
and the, and everyone's just like freaking out because they because they don't know if like is the, the army hell? parachuting exactly, in? Dude. What's that like? What what were you guys thinking when you see a fan man just d- dive into the ring? I just remember being in shock and not really knowing what happened and not yeah. really understanding understanding it until I saw it on the news later. Like, right, kind of just like my fa- Oh, that was my favorite weird. part was people dragged him then into the audience and started, started beating, beating him. him. Yeah, <laughs> they, Jesus. they started yeah. like like fuck you. This is a fight. Yeah, I was I was at I was at that fight. That was I think that was one of the first fights I'd ever gone to. What is the energy in it? Like the en- for the uh, Pacquiao Mayweather fight? Is oh, it comparable my. to like an Oprah taping or or it's, Price is Right taping? Yes, dude. It it was it's complete pandemonium. Yeah, like you—you you thought that these guys were just—that's what made the fight so shitty. Because you went the energy in the room was the like, "Oh, these guys say, are going to brawl." Well, the hype, dude. Yeah. The it's going to be blood everywhere. Right, right. And then right. Mayweather comes out and he does, does his he masterful does. performance, and mm-hmm. you're not going to hit me, and I'm going to hit you, and whenever you try to hit, like he did what he does, you know. Yeah, that's what he does in his fights. Yeah, even when he fought Canelo Alvarez, I went to the Canelo fight when he fought Canelo Alvarez. And that's when, like, all the Mexicans, it was, like, 99% Mexican at um, oh, that's at when, MGM. Yeah, that's when he came out in the sombrero, right? Yeah, man. Oh and uh, the place was going nuts. And, um, again. So many celebs at that fight, huh? Oh, the yeah. Pacquiao, but, like, oh, so, anybody mean, you see or met that was just like, holy shit, that guy's a fan of boxing? Or oh, that's... dude. I mean, I, ran, I mean, you just, just run into everybody. Yeah. Every, you ran uh, the cast. uh from Ray Don, like you just see, you literally you see. Um, what if you said the cast of Designing Women? How great would that have been? <laughs> Delta Burke was there. Oh my God, Delta Burke, huge fight fan. You know was, who walked by, by me that, that that kind of tripped me out was uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the um, yeah, oh, yeah. Patriots. Uh, the, the Patriots. He just walked by like all normal because we're all in this um, before the fight. We're all in this um, pre HBO party. I think it was it was either HBO or Showtime party, but everybody was there. Yeah, like start like. Star power. That I mean, just, just un, like you're, it was like being at the Oscars before. <laughs> Probably more so. Yeah, it's just you just saw nothing but athletes, and you're getting every spectrum. everybody, man. And you, you get, just you walk by, like, you oh. see Elton John, Serena Williams, and Tony Danza in one line of people. And exactly. You're like, Mary fuck kill. Obviously, is what you first <laughs> think of. Yeah. And then when you like you like literally, you'll see like uh, we took a picture. It was like Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Chappelle. And you're just like, huh, oh, whatever, guy. Like, you know, just wow, hey, you know man. what I mean? That's wow. how. I mean, you're seeing. That's incredible. You know, Michael Douglas and uh, <laughs> Frank Magic Thomas. Johnson yeah. and <laughs> Frank <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Wait, the big hurts here. You see, you see Mark Wahlberg. You sit down. Frank Thomas Yo, is here. You see Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Cecil Fielder, and Rita Rudner in one row. And now we know what Adam Ray masturbates to at night. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that Ryan Hamilton? <laughs> <laughs> Ruben, man, I can't thank you enough for coming out. Yeah, uh, oh, plug thanks, plug so your fun. stuff. What do you got to plug? Um, actually, uh, what, what do I, I have? A few things going on. Yeah, okay. Um, well, can you plug? And then when, well, I, when, when does this can, air? When does this out. next week? Monday. Next yeah. week. Also, oh, next Tuesday and Wednesday, I'll be up north with George Lopez, mm-hmm. and then so um, tomorrow and Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow, yeah, Wednesday, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, be uh, yeah. at Tommy T's with George Lopez. Oh, awesome. And, 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 uh, sac- and no. Pleasanton. But, yeah. We're doing the Pleasanton Room. Nice. And then um, doing a couple dates with Russell. And then I go to South Africa, which is one of my proudest moments, is uh, I got invited to do uh, a Mandela tribute. 
Holy from the family. Sh- and it's what? Gonna, yeah, and it's going to be televised in South Africa. Probably one of the biggest honors of my career. Do oh not my. let Scuba open up for you at this thing. <laughs> no, keep dude. Keep Scuba away. away. Hashtag keep Scuba away. <laughs> Scoomba. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Scuba. So, you don't know how funny that is because I initially had that thought. I was like, I hope I don't have to follow Scuba this time. You know, but Alicia Keys, I think, is doing it. Like, it's this big. Unreal. Yeah, and to show you how fucked up we can be as comics sometimes. When my manager called me, he's like, yo, we got this thing. They mm. want you to do this uh, family tribute yeah. concert for the Ma- Mandela Foundation. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Why do they want me? <laughs> and she was like, because uh, you're fucking great. That's why they want you. It's like, I just oh, think right. it's an honor, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Unreal, man. Yeah, so that's fantastic. That's going to be man. in November, I will think the, November 15th. Will they televise so. that on the, will there be a way people can see it in the States I, I hope so, because yeah. I know it's going to be televised live in South Africa, so... That's Hopefully fantastic. it gets out. Uh, but and then, then I got other dates around. You can go to my Ru- website, RubenPaul.com. I am RubenPaul on Ruben Twitter, Paul, and Twitter. I am RubenPaul on Instagram. Yes. Uh, you a big Instagram guy? I'm starting. I'm going to start being a big Instagram yeah, guy. Yeah, I saw you tweet your tickets out to the Mayweather Pacquiao <laughs> fight. Like, hey, everyone else who's not I got to follow both large. of you guys on yeah. there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get better at it, and I'm going to start posting a lot more I hear you, too. Like, there's, I have to for- it's a part of the game, and I have to force myself. Do you guys shoot a lot of too. stuff? At all, and put it on social media. Yeah, say he. he uh, I mean, I used to be all about uh, videos. That's all I did. Like you know, doing videos from you know YouTube, Funny or Die. Yeah, all yeah, the yeah. Time. Oh yeah, that did used to be your yeah, thing. That was yeah. Like, yeah, all the time, and that's how I you know got popular. Got my, yeah, might just helped get my name out there a little bit, yeah. and then uh, and it's dropped off since. But I mean, he's all about the Twitter, like Facebook. He pr- he fucking practices jokes. Through Twitter and yeah. Facebook and stuff, I, I, every day I probably. I mean, at least at least one joke a day. And, just and, throw and, stuff out there. And just so you know, yeah. that's why I have my pug with me today because I was shooting <laughs> a sketch. But that's what I'm doing. I hired someone that's going to help me shoot a lot of stuff and yeah, well, to help me with my social media. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to. I'm going to say a, a very. I want you to be in some shit with me. I'm, I'm going to say that. Thank you, and I'm going to say a very awesome sentence right now. I can't wait for the pug sketch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have two pugs too, right? <laughs> oh God, that's good. That's, that's drink five at home if you're playing the how many times would Brad say I want to hear the pug sketch sketch. Ruben thanks so much buddy thanks for having me guys subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessamay Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. 
I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.